0: Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the Transfiguration of Our Lord for the week of March 3rd, 2019, and I am excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I am slightly disappointed that we don't have March 4th to be able to march forth into Lent this year. But this is a very exciting week this week as it's the last Sunday before Lent. And make sure then you enjoy the hallelujahs, the allelujahs, and are able to enjoy some of the repentance and the forgiveness that we get before Lent because they will disappear now after that, and I think this is an important time to kind of think about that as we are in these final days prepping for Lent. Have you decided on something that you're giving up or doing for Lent? I purposely like doing something for Lent. I still have a few days to figure out what I'm doing for Lent, but I am hope that you're getting prepared for this season as we are about to Dive into it. And this week, there's a couple things that I'll be doing a little bit differently that I hope brings some different things out of this text and hope I bring some things alive a little bit. But I just want to experiment, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this this week. But before we get into this week, let's look back to the Twitter question from last week. Where are you seeing places in the world, church, or everyday life that people need to humble themselves and trust? And I think it ties beautifully in with the gospel text this week and how I'm approaching it. And you'll find that out here in a few minutes. But I think it's one of those things that as a society right now, I think there's a point where all of us and myself included at times are a little bit too high on themselves. And I think that is to the depriment of everybody else, that with having such a mighty image and how powerful and how great I am as a person makes me not listen and not as much respect the person next to me as I should, which I think ends up defeating some of the purpose of community and defeating the ability to be able to connect at the levels that we should be able to connect with each other. So, with that in mind, let's do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, they're top notch. When you have Caroline Lewis, Matt Skinner, and Ralph Jacobson, who are all professors at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, and since I'm not an ordained minister, it gives me some direction to be able to provide you this podcast. Two quick shout-outs of some different television programs that I've been finding that are very interesting. As you've heard from me, God-friended me. I'd highly recommend it. I think it's one of the best things on television. And just being able to discuss and see how is the faith walked out in the 21st century, along with how do you find somebody who's maybe questioning the faith and being able to work within that. The other one that I recently found stars Daniel Radcliffe, who was Harry Potter back in the day, but he's in this TBS short series called Miracle Worker. I've caught two different episodes of it so far. I've been impressed with it. I think there's some comedy in there, some things that are interesting, different images of what heaven and God maybe look like, and it's worth a watch. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, if you're able to catch that, and you can catch, I know, back episodes, I know the first episodes on YouTube, and if you have uh, some type of subscription, I know they have their two episodes up on TBS's website. So, I'd love to hear that, but enough gibberish from me, let's get into this week. So the gospel text this week, which is, again, where I'm hinging a lot of my discussion this week, is in Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36, optionally 37 through 43. And I would say 37 through 43, in my opinion, is not optional, because I think that's where the rubber really meets the road in this scripture text. So you have Jesus along with Peter, John, and James who are up on one of these mountains to pray. And while there, Moses and Elijah appear. Peter, who is weighed down with sleep, but he sees this glory kind of wakes up and then wants to make dwellings for Jesus along with Moses and Elijah. And then this cloud comes in and shadowing everything. And with that, then we hear the voice of the Lord. This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. And it must have shook these disciples because when they walked down the mountain, they didn't say anything. And that's where 36 ends. But I think 37 through 43 give a much different image that we need to remember. Before I get into that though, the one other thing that is said in verse 31 is that this is Jesus' prepping for moving toward Jerusalem. So as we know, moving toward Jerusalem, that's where he will be crucified. So this is Jesus kind of doing that last turn toward the home stretch and starting to focus on where is he going? So when you get then to 37 through 43, you find this man bringing his son who is seized by a demon or a spirit and that it causes him to do convulsions and foaming and and it's very debilitating. And he talks about how he's begged the disciples to cast it out and they cannot. And Jesus's response in verse 41 is very interesting. Quote, Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And then Jesus casts out the demon and all are astonished then at the greatness of Of God. And I think that part is really interesting with referencing back to the beginning in the gospel text that Jesus has now set his mindset that he is going toward Jerusalem knowing that this is him making that turn toward his crucifixion, knowing what this means. And the response of after you would assume Peter, James, and John had an opportunity to try doing this. And it's like, you guys just don't get it. And I'll dive a little bit more into that here in a few minutes. The first reading is from Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35. This is where Moses goes up and gets the Ten Commandments for a second time. Because the first time they had worshipped an idol, and when he came down, he was so frustrated he broke them. So he has just been up with God again and comes back, and his face is shining, and that there's a veil that needs to be covering the face of moses because there's just the brightness of god radiating out of him the psalm this week is psalm 99 and again it's one of these showing the power and mighty of god that he lets the earthquake he's with us as we've gone through all these different things he's helped exile people out of different situations and he continues to list all these and that he just showing the power of God and what he's been able to do. The second reading is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 12 through chapter 4 verse 2. Tentatively, what I will say is be careful how you talk about this. And how I would read this and say is that it's the spirit of God that is needed for us to be able to fully understand what God is trying to do and what God is trying to say to us. And for us as Christians, we're believing that that spirit is associated with Christ. Whereas if you are maybe from a Jewish community or something along those lines, it's more of just a spirit of God helping you with interpretation. It's been a section of scripture that has been very decisive between the Christian and our Jewish brothers and sisters. And I just recommend if you're working with this, be light, be tentative. And I think there are ways that it can really breathe life into stuff. It really can, as you read through it, it's really showing how the Spirit of God helps us interpret His will and helps us interpret where He is trying to guide us. And I think it's so important for us to hear that, but also be tentative with how we do it. So I want to go back to the gospel text. And the reason that I do, like I said, is the flip at verse 37. Because you have this powerful image of God, and I would say this like glorious image of God in the transfiguration story, what many of us would consider the transfiguration where Jesus is brought into seeing some of the glory of God and this beautiful image and that God has chosen him and the people are just the disciples are just in awe that they can't even say anything as they move down the mountain the thing that I think we're 37 through 43 coming directly after it and Jesus giving the response that he does he just shows how we don't get it How we can exemplify something as beautiful and as big as the transfiguration, but really have trouble of seeing God in the day-to-day. And that's where I really want to look at this. If you think about whenever you've seen pictures of space, and how often we're drawn to these pictures of space, that look at how majestic, how beautiful space is seeing all these galaxies seeing and understanding all the specks of light are from hundreds if not thousands of light years away and just how small and insignificant we seem to be but yet there's all this beautiful things going on it's unbelievable spend some time and just really look up some of that stuff. And I think you can even look into it as when you look at like some of these big national parks, like like the Grand Canyon or Yosemite or Arcadia or what was Mount McKinley, which is now Mount Denali. Just within here, the United States, these national parks are seen as big cornerstone parks. And there's... Certain viewpoints that we have gotten accustomed to seeing and part of it is the vast and big beauty that we get at those parks. But in that, we can't have that experience every day. Most of us don't have the privilege of being able to see Old Faithful every day or going and seeing Horseshoe Bend at the Grand Canyon every day. We just don't have that ability and it would cause us not to be able to get a ton done. But in that, are we saying that we don't see God on the daily? Jesus, when he, I think, is chewing out his disciples here, is partially, do you not see that I'm still in these situations? How often do we actually stop to admire the ladybug on the blade of grass? watching it crawl around watching it fly away how often do we actually even watch time lapse footage of a plant beginning to grow how often do we take the time to study the simple things in the environment that are so vital that if they weren't there we might not notice but other things would and the things that we admire appreciate would disappear One of the things I think about with that is keystone species, species that have bigger impact than what you would assume. So one of them being like a prairie dog on the prairie. When we think of the prairie, we see all the big, tall grasses and all the different plants that are growing there. But it's the prairie dogs and that give the opportunity for additional growth as it's turning over soil for new plants to grow. How often are we actually taking that time to pause to see that? Let's just take a songbird, for instance. A songbird, when it comes into an environment, likes eating what we would consider a fruit, or which typically is seed pods for a tree. They're coming and going within that environment. But when they eat that fruit, it gives the ability of that plant through its fecal matter to spread its seeds to a new location. There's a beauty in that fecal matter. That's how it's able to spread so that we can see what most of us would notice as a new and glorious tree, possibly in a new place. The thing I think is so important with this is that we don't always have these big, triumphant moments consistently in our lives like the first half of this gospel text. And we want to have these big triumphant moments, transfigurations within our own faith life consistently, but we don't. And I would argue part of the reason that is, is we overlook the second half of it. We overlook God working in the simple everyday, the rock that helps make a mountain. We overlook the people in need The simple things that we can do that feel almost insignificant, that are so minor that they barely worth mentioning. But in that, we end up finding that it's a major transformative moment or it's a major God moment in our lives. One that I remember from me growing up that I have found now as I've gotten older and especially maybe within the last year, that has been a big thing for me was there was one christmas that my father went to the treasurer of the church and said we won't be able to give a christmas bonus check or a christmas gift a substantial christmas gift this year but we'll do something else and what that something else was was clearing out the fellowship hall and clearing out the narthex to our church and cleaning carpets We rented two carpet cleaners and cleaned the carpets. And I can't even remember if it was even announced on Sunday if it was done or not. And 99% of people going in there I don't think would have ever really noticed that the carpets had been cleaned. But I think about that so much now and how it was still something that needed to be done. And it wasn't a glorious job, but it was a moment of this is still something that be a faith-building experience. I'm cleaning carpet, for goodness sakes. It's not a major thing, and most people will pass it by, but it's still one of these moments that I think about. It's the simple little things that build a faith. So, before we get into the Twitter question this week, I'm going to do something that I have never done on the podcast before, but I felt this week it really spoke to me and that needed to be brought up. And it's a poem from Gerhard Frost from his book, Blessed in the Ordinary. And the name of this poem is These Rude Feet in the Scottish Highlands. A man of science knelt, crouched in the morning dew, the better to hold a microscope over a healthier bell. Lost in the blue tracers of exquisite design, he saw a sun-drawn figure, the shadow of a man, gazing up into a shepherd's face. He quickly bade him look. One long moment, the man stood, beholding, pierced by a microscope's patterns in a flower. Then he spoke. I wish you had never shown me that. But why? The surprised response. Because, the old man said, gazing at his two worn boots... These rude feet have crushed so many of them. These rude feet, and this God's day, this most resplendent hour, Father of mercies, give me eyes, make me aware, I walk in gift today. We are so unobservant, and that's one of the things that I think is so beautiful with when you get in study microscope slides or study just the nature and the beauty around us is that it takes time it takes patience but we really can see god there and the beauty that 99 percent of people miss i see this scripture talking about that and that it's those little moments that help us get to the big moment not just having big moments and i think it's a lesson that we all need to continually learn and think about it's a hard lesson it takes a long time for the fruit to develop but it's an important lesson so the twitter question slash email question slash response question of the week is this what little moments will you or have you not overlooked that made a big difference what little moments did you not overlook that made a big difference? It's a hard question, and I get that. And I know I'm really good at hard questions. But I think it's one of those hard questions that we have to grapple with and deal with. Because if we don't, I think the pain is worse. I think the pain of chasing these big extravagant moments are boom and bust. Whereas doing the little moments eventually will lead consistently to the big moments. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.